0: My name is Colin Heacock, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. I'm
1: Shriver. whip. Scars. Now it's yeah. Scores. Now in front of Scores. Paul Rabel. Splits two
0: and scores.
1: Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Kelly, not shy. Bounces one home. What a start. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk Podcast. I'm Hunt and he's Adam. Together we have all the latest news from all your favorite professional lacrosse leagues. Happy to have you guys for another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. I'm coming to you from New Jersey while Adam is at the beach in Ocean City. Uh, Adam, how's the beach treating you today?
0: Not too bad. It's it's about 90 degrees and sunny out, so I'm, I'm calm and enjoying myself. So I'm ready to talk some lacrosse. We had a lot of good stuff this past week.
1: Yep, awesome. You know, we're going to talk about the WPLL Championship weekend, um, return of the PLL regular season, and break down the MLL All-Star game for you guys as well. But uh, let's dive into our fast break first. Adam, why don't you take it away?
0: Start with the PLL. Um, first game of last weekend, the Atlas upset the Redwoods 18 to 15 to stay in the playoff hunt. The Chaos defeated the Whip Snakes 13 to 12 to avenge their Week One loss. And the Archers won against the Chrome nine to seven, and a big one uh, to keep them in the playoff hunt. To the MLL, Lyle Thompson's team Ice defeated Rob Pennell's team Fire in the MLL All-Star Game, sixteen to fifteen in overtime on a Brendan Sunday goal. WPLL, the Fight defeated the Command thirteen to ten in the semifinal game one. The Brave defeated the Pride fifteen to ten in game two, and in the WPLL Championship. The Brave defeated the formerly undefeated fight 13-12 to 12 to win the championship.
1: Awesome. Yeah, no, a lot of great games this weekend um, and you actually did really well in the game picks. We'll discuss that a little bit later, on. but you're kind of uh, making up some ground uh, in our competition. Uh, but let's go to the quick stick. Uh, some NLL news. Uh, following his 14-year career, Brad Self has retired and will join the Colorado Mammoth front office as assistant GM. Uh, the Buffalo Bandits signed Matt Vink to a three-year extension. In the MLL, they announced the All-Star Game attendance uh, was 6,685 in Annapolis, so a pretty good turnout for them. Uh, the PLL announced their Denver attendance was 12,892 for the three games. And in the biggest news of the week, uh, Paul Rabel loses his endorsement deal with New Balance and Warriors, so let's actually talk about that a little bit. Uh, a Bloomberg article came out saying that um, the reason why was that he was you know, shown wearing an Adidas uh, lacrosse penny, Um, And, you know, he wears his Adidas jersey in a game. So that was kind of the grounds that New Balance used uh, for ending his endorsement, which a lot of people had a problem with. Obviously, um, a lot of comparisons were drawn to leagues like the NBA and the NFL, where players, you know, have these endorsement deals with brands. um, But they wear these league-mandated, you know, um, Nike jerseys or Adidas jerseys. So there's a lot of people drawing comparisons to that, saying it was kind of hypocritical for New Balance to, to drop him um, but I, I want people to keep in mind, this is a Bloomberg article that was released, you know, 7 a.m. in the morning. They didn't have any of the New Balance members comment on it. It was clearly, you know, like the PLL had this ready to go um, when this news was ready to break. Um, you know, so they, they definitely have their slant on it. We haven't really heard New Balance Warriors story. We don't know if there was more in his contract. We don't know the details of his contract. Uh, what was your gut reaction to this, uh, this move by New Balance?
0: It's unfortunate, but I, I kind of saw it coming, to be honest with you. I mean, if you look at we'll talk about the ML All-Star game coming up. New bounces is all over their gear, not only in the All-Star game, but in the regular season as well. Um, and it's kind of a clash of the two leagues, like everything else that's happening. and um, It only made sense for them to kind of come out and and decide this um after i read the article um i kind of wasn't surprised um what new balance did with, with kind of breaking ties with him and then as as we found out later scotty rogers as well um new balance is one of the main sponsors for for the mll um and obviously Paul it created a new league and is kind of going against that. So um, I wasn't surprised that that this kind of came to fruition now. Interesting timing to drop um, this kind of news, but um, it didn't surprise me.
1: Yeah, no, and I think it goes back to the timing was probably because the PLL is in a buy. I, I don't think this is actually uh, new news to them. I think they were you know waiting to release this. Um, at the right time and I think they did it at a a good time um, you know for as a PR move for them but uh, yeah I mean I think the biggest issue here is you know Jim Davis the uh, owner of New Balance and Warrior once owned four teams in the MLL now he only owns the Rattlers but you know he has a large stake New Balance requires their uh, their players to only wear New Balance stuff and if they have endorsement deals with other brands they have to you know cover that up which I think you know I think that's the real issue here Um, I really like that Paul and Mike Rabel are doing, um, you know, they're allowing these players to, you know, be endorsed by different brands um, and, you know, you know, wear the different helmets, wear the different gloves. Like, it's, you know, they have their Adidas league-wide sponsorship, but they're not tying these guys down. And I think that's the important thing here. But, you know, this definitely was due in part to the personal beef with Paul. Um, they made the decision, you know, based on a, what they say is a contract breach um, we don't know the details. We can't really speculate on that. But bottom line is, people are knocking New Balance for this, and um, you know, and the way they did it probably wasn't the right way to go about. It, but really, they didn't have an op- option with push comes to shove. You know, do you really want a guy on your payroll who um, started his own league that's a competing league against yours? I, I don't think so. So they really didn't have an option. Um, unfortunately, you know, it's it's bad press for them. But um, at the end of the day, it was the business decision that I think they had to be made. Um, they didn't really have a, an, a way out of it. Um, so unfortunate for Paul, but I'm sure he'll do fine. Um, I'm sure Adidas is uh, ready to pick him up, or, or you know, even maybe a Maverick or STX is waiting in the wings as well. Yeah,
0: I, don't, I think he'll be okay. I think he'll be okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: me too. But uh, going off of that, uh, let's talk about the WPLL Championship. A great weekend for women's lacrosse. Um, I don't think we could have asked for a better three games this weekend. You actually had a sellout uh, crowd uh, at the semifinals for Yale. They had their uh, WPLL Futures Um, you know, which is when they have the the youth players come out and they did a little clinic. Um, So I think that really helped the turnout. But, yeah, great day uh, for for lacrosse. And uh, let's talk about this fight and command game first. I mean, um, it was back and forth. You know, the fight looked like they were going to kind of run away with it. But the command, you know, showed their resolve and they never really backed down. I mean, they had a different goal scorer on every goal that they scored. But, you know, unfortunately, the fight did come away with the victory, in large part, you know, to the, the duo of uh, Kylie Olmiller and Taylor Cummings. We talked about the fight's offense all year, and, you know, they just have so many weapons. Um, and you had, you know, Kayla Trainer and Katrina Dowd at the end kind of securing the victory for the fight. But, you know, a great game. I thought at one point the command were going to, um, you know, come back. Uh, Bianco kind of kept them in there in cage, you know, with nine saves. Um, so... You know, overall uh, a great game, um, and the, the fight ended up advancing to championship on Sunday. Uh, but let's talk about the the game that followed, the the Brave versus the Pride. What did you see from this game, Adam?
0: Yeah, th- this was a big one. The Brave got out to an early lead, and it was a pretty fl- it was a flurry of goals in that first quarter. It was ten to three Brave going into the second quarter, and, and things kind of evened out a little bit after that. Um, but uh, really strong outbursts from from the Braves offense, like like we said. You got this one right. Um, I was expecting the Pride's offense to come out with a little bit more fire, um, but unfortunately, it wasn't the case. Uh, Liz Hogan for the Pride came up big in cage with eight saves, some uh, really big highlight reel saves in the second half, but it was just not enough. Unfortunately, with with how big the Braves uh, lead was, Marie McCool at the um, draw control X was was absolutely dominant, winning. 11 of 17 draws, um, which helped to propel the Brave to that championship. And the offense, from from a goal standpoint, um, was pretty even. Courtney Fortunato, Dana Dobie had two, um, Amanda Johansson, who we'll talk about in a little, had two goals as well. Um, So really strong offensive output um, from the Brave, who were able to move on to the championship game.
1: Yeah, no, I think it just showed how you know dominant the Brave team could be, um, and I, I think you know we talked about the fight so much this season that we kind of overlooked them a little bit. They were leading thirteen to five at one point, um, so kudos to the Pride for you know working their way back into the game. Yeah. You know, only lost fifteen to ten, but um, the Brave rolled on to the championship, and we could not have asked for a better championship. Adam, um, I mean, it, it was on ESPNU, so I was I love that it was televised because it was back and forth. Kayla Trainer seven goals on the day, and they were some great goals. You know, she had a nice backhanded goal coming from behind. X, um, yeah. she had a behind the back snipe that landed her on SportsCenter's top ten. Um, I mean, it, she was just having a day. So kudos to the Syracuse product. Um, but again, the brave. They just hung around, and they were losing at one to point, 12-9, with 9.45 left in the fourth quarter. It looked like the fight were just going to, you know, kind of hold on to this victory, and they yeah. came roaring back. They scored four straight um, to give them the 13-12 win, you know, in large part to Dempsey Arsenal, who was named MVP. Um, and, you know, you talked about Amanda Johansson. She won five draws. Uh, had a cause turnover and scored four goals. Um, We're going to actually have her on our podcast uh, next week. So um, shout out to the Brave. They get it done. You know, last year they fell short in the championship to the command, and they uh, come away with the victory.
0: The fight are going to leave this one with a bad taste in their mouth after having uh, a three-goal lead going into the the last 12 minutes of this one. So um, they're my early-on favorite for next year, even though – uh, the, the Pride were able to, the, even though the Brave were able to pull this one out, um, I'm, I'm still sticking with the fight for, for next year. But this was an awesome game, um, fantastic all around. And this is why we've been promoting the women's game all year. Th- these are the types of games we want um, the professional lac- lacrosse community to see. It's an awesome product, and it just needs to be seen by more people. And uh, I think it's on the way to getting there.
1: No, absolutely. And, you know, we, we talk about the PLL having. You know, so many great players um, that, you know, some of these guys get lo- left off the roster. I mean, look at these WPL teams. There's only five of them, and you have, you know, the, the world's best um, only distributed to five teams. So, you know, everyone on that those teams can play. I don't even, you know, if they eventually expand, I don't think you'll see uh, teams as great as this because you just you know, like I said, we go back to the command game. Um, they had 11 different goal scorers. These women are phenomenal lacrosse players. you are gotten the best of the best. It's giving some of the you know, the older players like Katrina Dowd uh, a chance to, you know, be in the spotlight. And then, you know, some younger ones like Dempsey Arsenault and Kylie O'Miller to, you know, kind of take the torch and, um, you know, seeing them all play together. Um, you know, Kylie told us a lot how she was a big fan of Katrina Dowd, you know, growing up, and uh, now she gets to play with her. So I think that's, you know the biggest takeaway from this WPLL season. And, you know, we look forward to more WPLL action next year.
0: Yeah. And uh, one thing to denote kind of going into the off season, I'll be curious what, 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 that really looks like for the WPLL. We don't really have um, any word on what free agency looks like for them. But going from season one to season two, um, most of the rosters were pretty intact um, compared to, to last year, so other than the additions of, uh, of rookies and, and, and some players who decided to play again. So uh, I'll be intrigued to see how. How, how things go when it comes to the offseason for them, um, whether these teams are kind of intact going forward or or whether we do see some shakeups in rosters.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, well, and going off of that, let's uh, go to a quick break, uh, hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get back into the action. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Now let's discuss some of these PLL games, Adam. You know, we had the All-Star game last week. Uh, We have the return of the regular season this week, and then we're actually headed into the the bye weekend. Um, But some great games this weekend. I mean, it's hard to say some great games every weekend because every game you get from the PLL is good. Um, But this Redwoods-Atlas game actually looked like it could have been a blowout at First, uh, tell me a little bit about what you saw from that game.
0: This was the type of performance we were kind of hoping uh, for the Atlas to, to pull out, kind of coming out of the all star break for them to be able to stay out in uh, the playoff hunt. They dr- jumped out to a quick lead off of a hot hat trick from Connor Busick, um, and, and they were up five goals, had an early five goal lead. Um, solid ball movement from this. This is the type of offense we are expecting them to do from a bunch of uh, savvy vets and professionals. Um, when when it came to their offense. well, with Their losses this year, they haven't been moving the ball, um, but this game they were moving it tight and crisp, passes all around, and had a well-balanced offense too, um, which was something that we were looking for. Uh, that attack line of Eric Law, Keenan McArdle, Ryan Brown um, had had a fantastic day. Um, Eric Law had five points, Keenan McArdle had four, and Ryan Brown had two on the day. Um, so, well-balanced offense. Um, like you said, it was closer than um, we were expecting early on, um, as the Redwoods did uh, come back, and, and after that first half, they outscored uh, the Atlas six four in the third quarter. Um, but the Atlas defense was able to to hold uh, tight, even though letting up for uh, three goals in the fourth quarter to to get this victory, eighteen uh, to fifteen, to kind of keep them in the playoff hunt.
1: Yeah, no, I think you know the, the story of the day for the the Redwoods was the dud that they had on defense, you know. I mean, yeah. giving up 18 goals. Uh, Troutner just didn't look like he, he was himself uh, this game. Um, but, you know, you have to credit the the resolve. Again, Jules Henningberg, I mean, you know, I, I got to speak to him uh, this week, and, you know, he'll he'll be on our podcast next week. You know, he, he just isn't phased by anything. He ended up, you know, scoring six goals, um, kind of led to their resurgence in the, you know, third quarter, um, and kind of, you know, put them back in this game. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's tough when you go down 9-2 to, to kind of come back. Yeah. Um, you know, we like to say there's no safe leads in lacrosse, and especially the Premier Lacrosse League, and, you know, that was evident by their comeback. But, um, you know, kudos to the Atlas for, you know, getting it done and maintaining that lead. Like you mentioned, Eric Law had a big day uh, in his return to Denver. I think this was just a bad day for the Redwoods on defense. Um, they played well all season uh, for them to, you know, Lay an egg in this one, I think is better than you know later down the stretch when they're in the playoff um, hunt. So I, I think you know it's tough for them to sit at four and three. they obviously wanted to be five and two right at the top of the standings, but I don't think this will hurt them too much going forward. This
0: was definitely a big one for the Atlas and this will be um, something that they probably utilize to propel themselves for their hopes uh, for, for playoff contention.
1: But you know, speaking of the top of the standings, uh, we had you know the two top teams, Whip Snakes versus Chaos. Uh, Whips had a playoff spot on the line, um, you know, and this was another great back and forth game. I mean, this game was so tightly contested. Thirty nine shots by the Chaos to the Whip forty three. Thirty one ground balls by the Chaos to the Whip twenty seven. Face off wins you had thirteen for Tommy Kelly and fifteen for Joe Nardella, um, and then the saves uh, Reardon and Burnlaw were even at twelve. We couldn't have asked for a closer game. Um, you know, This might have been a championship preview, honestly, and a first-round preview if they both end up at 1-2. and two. Um, Jared Newman coming out again with a big two-point goal. The Premier Lacrosse League Twitter tweeted out, the only guarantees in life are death taxes and two-point bombs from Jared Newman. I thought that was kind of funny because it's so true because the man has uh, four two-point goals on the season, and I don't know why um, people don't slide earlier to him. I mean... Yeah. You know, it's not that these shots aren't uncontested, but I mean, just slide to him like early. Like if he has the ball, seventeen, eighteen yards out, I don't care if you're sliding upfield. You got to cover this guy because he's just letting them rip. Um, and, you know that's been a, the beauty of the shorter field and having a fifteen-yard two-point arc. Um, so you know, great game by them. It was back and forth, and uh, you know, Deemer Class came up big for the Chaos. Um, At the end of the game, you know, scoring two goals and including the game winner to make it 13-12 with around two minutes left to play. So overall, a great game. Um, What did you see from it, Adam?
0: Another. And forth contests with, with with great play. Uh, Ryan Trenner, he, he came up big with four goals in this one. I think a big turning point was honestly um, that Matt Rambo goal um, that was called off after the the Andy Towers coaching challenge. So um, I think that was a big turning point in this one. You talked about Blaze Reardon a little bit uh, already, but uh, Kyle Burnlore had another strong game, both coming up with 12 saves. Um, so these, these two are teams are evenly matched, whether it's in, in cage, at the faceoff X, um, the Whips had, had a slight advantage uh, when it came to that statistic, but pretty much even everywhere, and it only made sense that it came down to one goal.
1: Adam, I think it was a, a great game, and like I said, I, I think this could be a preview of what we see um, in the number one, number two seed game in the playoffs and you know maybe even the championship. But uh, going off of that, let's go to the bottom of the standings with the Archers-Chrome uh, both trying to fight for their playoff lives here. You know, the Chrome really needed this win. If, if they got a win here, they kind of would have been right back into the hunt. Uh, unfortunately, they, they couldn't get it done. Um, we were tied 5-5 at the end of the first half. Um, it looked like the Archers were going to take a 5-4 lead going into the half. Connor Farrell won the faceoff real quick, um, a quick tic-tac goal to Jordan McIntosh, who buried one, uh, to tie it up with, you know, less than a second left, um, kind of giving the Chrome some momentum going into the second half. But it was the duo in cage of Adam Gittleman and Drew Adams that got it done because they held this Chrome team who had scored 19 points previously uh, to just seven, and including Drew Adams, who you know held them to only two in the second half. I mean, talk about a defensive effort. The Chrome kind of you know led in all the statistical categories. They had 54 shots to the archers 40. Um, they dominated the ground ball game, you know, having 35 as opposed to the archers 25. Um, Face offs were pretty even, uh, Chrome won nine to the Archers seven, um, but you know the biggest category here that stood out was the 19 saves by the Adam Gittleman and uh, Drew Adams duo, and you know that's really where they got it done. So it was nice to see the Archers back in the win column. Um, you know they're big guys in Will Manny and Marcus Holman who had you know two two point goals, and you know of course Tom Schreiber they came to play. Um, but I still think there's some issues here for this Archers team. I think, you know, if it wasn't for the phenomenal goalie play, they could have been on the losing side of this one, so they're definitely going to need to get more offensive production from some of these other guys. It was nice to see Cuccinello out there. Um, He had two goals on the day, but definitely not on the Archers train yet in terms of making a a solid playoff run. They're in the fourth spot right now, but I don't know. How how do you feel about this team right now, Adam?
0: I don't think much has changed, to be quite honest with you. Like like you said, they're up and down uh, when they're on, they they can be one of the top teams in the league, and when they're off, it, it just it just doesn't look right. So um, I I don't think my opinion has changed. I, I'm nervous, just like you are, for them uh, at this point in the season. And who who knows? Maybe this goalie play um, will kind of change things for them. And we haven't really seen a super successful squad in the past for professional lacrosse utilize the two goalie system. I think there were a couple times in the the MLL where. And we'll see um, if, if it sticks like this, if a goalie, if Drew Adams or, or Gittleman are, are starting and are having an absolute awesome first half, are they going to switch goalies? So um, it looks like they are right now, but we'll, we'll see what, what happens with them and Cage going forward. Um, but that, that's just another question, right, I think is we have a lot of questions um, whether they're going to come to play on the offensive side of the ball or are going to be able to put it together at least. So uh, my opinion really hasn't changed after this, and I'm curious uh, to see what they do going forward.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, no small task up ahead for them after the bye. Yeah. They, they face the Atlas. Um, so this might be you know, the deciding factor of who ends up making the playoffs and getting that fourth seed. Um, so definitely the biggest game, I think, uh, coming up after the bye week in San Jose. Let's go to a break real quick, Uh, hear another word from our sponsor, and then we'll come back and get into this MLL All-Star game. Alright, welcome back. Uh, let's get into our MLL All-Star Game discussion. Uh, before we get into that, though, I want to share some uh, post-game sound we got. Our, our videographer, Tom Walton, was down in Annapolis uh, this past weekend um, doing some video content for us on the All-Star Game. After the game, he got to speak to Colin Heacock, who's with the Bayhawks and played for Team Ice in the All-Star Game.
0: You know, Playing from the hometown crowd, it's honestly, you know, we have a lot of support from them and just being able to bring back some of the best you know, players in the league. In the world, it's a huge honor, and you know all the little kids are out there, you know, cheering, and it was just like an awesome match. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think every single game, it's a new learning experience for us. Uh, we're still building that chemistry, but I think we've come a long way. Um, obviously, we have a lot of room for improvement, but um, you know, we're just continuing to get better each and every day, every practice, and it's be really an exciting future. Always good fun, you know, playing against a bunch of these guys. You know, obviously, we spent the whole day with each
1: other yesterday, so. We're kind of building those little uh, relationships on the side, you know, a little trash talk here and there. But at the end of the day, it's all for fun, and uh, we're all out there just having a good time. So you just heard Colin Heacock. Obviously, he had a great time at the All-Star game. It was a, a great event. They had a great turnout of over, you know, 6,000 fans there. Let's dive into this All-Star game, Adam. It was a, a great game, you know. Ended up going to overtime. Uh, Team Ice coming out on top, 16-15. to 15, They extinguished the fire. Uh, Dylan Malloy was named the MVP. He said that he told his mom that he'll donate uh, the 10,000 winnings to St. Jude Children's Hospital, which I think is great. Overall, a great game with some cool highlights. You know, Mark Cochran had a nice behind-the-back goal. Of course, Lyle Thompson was all over the field. Uh, Colin Heacock had a goal himself. Um, and then Brendan Sunday, uh, off a feed from Lyle Thompson, had the game winner from his knees. Um, so overall, you couldn't ask for a better game. The one thing that really kind of bothered me was watching it on TV is just the the broadcast just wasn't great. I mean, um the you had this random red line where the two point line arc was that was completely unnecessary because you had the line on the field. Um I don't know why the broadcast decided to put it on there. It was way too thick to begin with and it was also unnecessary. It's funny cuz the Annapolis stadium is the only f- field I I believe that really has just the MLL lines on it whereas you know some of these fields have multiple lines on the field so there it would have made sense but that was one issue that to me like kind of took away from the game um, you know overall the, the game itself was great you, know, you had a lot of great goals from the big stars like Rob Pennell and uh, John Grant jr. and of course like we mentioned Dylan Malloy. but I, I don't know that's the one thing that you know if the MLL wants to keep up they really need to get right is fixing um, the broadcast
0: yeah it was it, it was a it was a great game. I mean, it's it fun to watch. Uh, interesting to me that Dylan Molloy uh, was the MVP um, of the losing squad. It, I, he had a fantastic game. It just seemed ironic to me that he got the MVP um, after he decided to, to leave the, the PLL and, and stick with the MLL, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, so that was kind of something that stuck in my mind. I loved seeing two of the best players in the world, Lyle Thompson and John Grant Jr. play on the same squad together, two of the most stylistically unique players to, to watch together was was something um, really fun to see. Um, and it, it was just a great game overall. What did, what did you think about the uniforms? I uh, I thought I liked the helmets. The uniforms I, I could have done without. I thought they could have been a little bit cooler. But what were your
1: thoughts on the unis? I actually like the uniforms a lot. Um, obviously, I, I gave my opinion on the PLO uniforms. I like these yep. uniforms a lot. Um, I, I really thought the, the color scheme was cool. I think it was a missed opportunity, though, to have the fire in white and the ice in black. I don't know why they didn't, you know, kind of switch those roles, you know, maybe have the, the fire in, like, an all-red uniform and then, um, you know, the ice in, like, an icy light blue and white. Um, you know, that, that kind of was one thing I, I thought was maybe a missed opportunity. But I actually I really enjoyed them. I thought the helmets were really cool, you know, going with, like, the chrome finish. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't have... Too many complaints. Um, So I I guess you know we have you preferred the P.L.L. All-Star uniforms. I I preferred the M.L.L. ones, but you know um, I think overall that both both jerseys were pretty cool. Um, But going off of that, let's dive into our game picks. Um, Adam, you're now sitting at 20 and 18. You had a a a big run. Um, You know you you predicted all the P.L.L. games correctly. You also had the the winner for the M.L.L. All-Star game, which really helped you. So you're at 20 and 18. I'm sitting at 23 and 15, so I'm still, you know, got a bit of a lead on you, but uh, you know, it's it's getting pretty close here um, as we head into the second half of the summer. But Adam, who are you picking between the Cannons against the Outlaws at 6 p.m. on Saturday?
0: Man, this this is this is one that I, I was curious to watch and then kind of start on 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 the weekend. Uh, both teams coming off of kind of ugly losses at, uh, right before the All Star break. The Outlaws playing. Not great against the Rattlers when when the Rats got their first victory of the season. Um, and then the Boston Cannons lost to, to the Blaze that last game, 15-12, to 12, and, and their offense just wasn't clicking. So this is a big game for both of those squads who are on the top of the standings right now but just did not play well. So... Um, based off of those games, I'm going to pick all, pick the Outlaws. I, I just can't see them playing anywhere near as bad as, as they did. I think that previous game was one to say, burn that tape, dig it in a hole and never speak of it again and come out um, really strong for the second-half run. So I'm going to pick the Outlaws in
1: this one. Yeah, I'm going to go Outlaws as well. I think it'll be interesting to see how these teams uh, go up against each other. You know, the last time they got, we got into a little scuffle – um, between these teams, you know Zach Kerr had some choice words for the Cannons after the game. Yeah, I think the outlaws they grinded out. Um, you know, I think they, they've shown that they could play well together um, down the stretch um, more than, so than the cannons, not that the cannons you know have been bad, but I, I think the Cannons' defense isn't prepared for this this uh, outlaws offense and I think will be another high scoring affair in Denver. So then our next game following that at 8 p.m we have two games. Uh, the first we'll discuss is the Dallas Rattlers versus the Atlanta Blaze. Do um, you think the Rattlers are going to get their second win of the season?
0: I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think previous to the break, everything worked in their favor. Uh, their goalie was hitting on all cylinders, and the Outlaws were not. So um, I don't I don't see another team playing that bad against them. I think the, the Blaze are, are looking to um, make some noise in the second half, and uh, I think they're going to pull this one out. I don't think, unfortunately, um, the Rats are going to get that second W.
1: I'm going to go upset alert here. I think the Rattlers are going to pull one out against the Blaze just for the fact that the Blaze tend to lay these eggs on defense, and you know they get into these back-and-forth high-scoring games. So I think you're going to see a Rattlers team kind of hang around till the end and maybe come away with this victory. So I'm going to pick the Rattlers in this one.
0: Getting closer to the standings every time that you brother.
1: <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Um, and then another rivalry game. Coming up at 8 in Annapolis, you have the Lizards against the Bayhawks. Um, These teams don't like each other. Uh, It's one of the oldest rivalries in the MLL. Who are you picking in this one, Adam?
0: I'm going to have to go with the home team in this one. I'm going with the Bayhawks. I know um, this is a big one after the, the Lizards pulled pulled out uh, their, the victory right before the All-Star break. But this is something we talked about right before I brought up. This will be uh, game two of a three-game series, as I'm, I'm calling it, uh, against the Lizards. So I'm going to pick the Bayhawks at this one at home in Annapolis. Um, but I'm curious um, what will happen for game two, which is on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I'm actually going to go with the Lizards. I think they're kind of figuring it out on uh, offense. And their defense with uh, goalie Austin Cow has kind of you know figured it out as well. Um, so I-, I think they're going to pull out another close one. It is interesting to see. I think they're going to probably split this, this series. Uh, but I'll pick the Lizards in game one. And going off of that then, Adam, uh, are you sticking with the Bayhawks for game two on Sunday or are you going to mix it up and go with the Lizards?
0: I'm, I'm going to stick with the Bayhawks, I think, in this one, for, for them to get those two decisive victories uh, on the weekend. Both teams uh, have to travel. I know the Elizabeths are considered home, and, and they are, um, but both teams are going to be on short rest going into game two, um, and it, it'll be interesting to see what happens.
1: Definitely. Um, I'm going to end up picking the Bayhawks in, in this one um, just because I, I feel like they've done a little bit better um, on the road. Uh, which is kind of ironic, you know, because they have one of the better home yeah. crowds in Annapolis.
0: Man, the scheduling for this is so tough for teams to go have to play another game in less than 24 hours. I don't know what your thoughts are. and Clearly this has to do with um, the, the reshuffling of the schedule after um, they decided to um, disband those three squads. But, man, it's tough to have to play two brutal games
1: back-to-back in less than 24 hours. It sucks, man. I, I get, like, why it had to be this way because of, you know, the folding of three teams. But I don't understand how they couldn't have reshuffled some of these games. Um, you know, I, I get they were two months away from the start of the season, but this is just—it's brutal for these players. You know, to just play two yeah. games on a weekend in general—I I don't even think you know the Thursday game and then Saturday game is that that beneficial to these players either. Um, yeah. So I definitely think they need to figure it out next year, um, whether that's you know shortening the schedule a little bit or um, you know just making these games more spread out. I mean, this, the season goes until October, so it's kind of hard to kind of extend the season any longer. Um, but you know, I, I think maybe it's just less games, um, on these players, uh, you know, it, obviously that would mean less ticket sales. So I don't know if they're going to end up going that route, but you know, overall, you, no one wants to see, uh, two beat up squads, uh, play each other back to back days, especially in two different locations. So, um, definitely something they need to fix next year. Going off of that, that, that wraps up our podcast. Another great episode with you, Adam. You know, this is episode 11. Uh, it's hard to believe that we've already uh, done 11 episodes, you know, having just started this over two months ago. Just want to remind you guys to go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a review. Um, we'll have Jules Henningberg next week join us. I sat down in person with Jules uh, in Jersey to discuss his career so far and, you know, what the Redwood standouts' hopes for the future are. Um, so, a great interview with him. Hopefully you guys can listen to that next week. Um, but... Uh, Adam, let's go into overtime. What are you looking forward to most this weekend? I
0: think I'm going to have to go with some of the MLL games this week. I mean, it's it's the lacrosse that's going to be on, and I'm really excited to see how this first game, I know we talked about two teams coming off of uh, tough losses before the All-Star break. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see how de- if Denver or Boston's able to pull this one in. Obviously, I picked Denver, um, but I'm excited to see if both of these teams can come to play in, in Colorado.
1: Yeah, no, uh, and uh, of course the MLL, like you said, is the only games on this weekend. So that's kind of what's intriguing to me the most is can they really, you know, take it from a, a branding marketing standpoint and uh, kind of, you know, own the weekend with uh, that being the only professional lacrosse on this weekend. Now that the WPLL season has ended and the PLL is in their bye week, so definitely a good opportunity for the MLL to, you know, kind of take control of the social media surrounding lacrosse this weekend. Let's see, you know, we'll see if they actually do that. Um, but that's what I'm looking forward to the most. And I know it,
0: it, it's not all field related, but uh, NLL free agency ha, has started to heat up. So get your Twitter ready uh, and check out check out the feed to see uh, where some of the big names in the NLL are going to head
1: for next season. Yeah, no, definitely. We're really looking forward to uh, the NLL college draft coming up and, you know, the start of the NLL season. Um, you know, it's going to be right after the the end of the field lacrosse season. So it's exciting to have lacrosse on pretty much all year round. Um, So, yeah, definitely another thing that we're both excited about. Um, But that wraps up Episode 11. Thank you guys for listening, and we hope you tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk.